Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Aaron McCoy, here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakwe. Ross Williams is one of the more insightful and successful brewers currently working in the state of West Virginia. He has managed the brewing operations at Bad Shepherd Beer Company in Charleston since 2016. And before that, he worked for several years learning the brewery ropes at Morgantown Brewing Company, working under then-head brewer Brian Anderson. That's right, Charles. And ever since I met Ross here in Charleston, he's been a lot of fun to talk with for his insights on our beer market and his outlook on West Virginia beer culture in general. So here he is, the man himself, joining us today on West Virginia Beer Roads. We welcome Ross Williams, head brewer at Bad Shepherd Beer Company. Ross, it's great to have you back with us. Thanks, guys. Good to be here again, sitting on the other side of the table tonight. It's cool. We're happy to have you, and thank you so much, Ross, for bringing a couple of Bad Shepherd brews for us to sample today. Absolutely. Well, let's pour one, and Ross, I'm going to turn it over to you to introduce what, in fact, we are drinking. Okay. Uh, What we've got is kind of a last-minute inspiration of a recipe, something I've thought about for a good while. Uh, kind of a, our take on a honey brown ale, um, calling it poplar because it resembles poplar honey. Uh, it has a little bit of a tang. Mm-hmm. It has the color look. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but really, we're, we're using a lot of honey malt in this brew. And, uh, and then some crystal, crystal malts, other dark malts to, to make a, a light-bodied brown ale. Yeah, and I think that... Uh light-bodied brown ale is something you don't see quite as much of today at most breweries because, you know, it's not a style that in recent years people have demanded, I mean, like they do the hazy IPAs. Absolutely not. Yeah, no one demanded this beer except (laughs) me, I think. (laughs) But you you got your your sweetness you said out of the honey malt. Yes. Yeah, it's a a great product. It, you know, it, it allows you to leave that uh, flavor of honey in your finished beer, mm-hmm. whereas um, using a lot of honey is great, but you, you, in my experience, you don't get any honey flavor in the end, really. Yeah, I had this the other day at the brewery and I, when it came out, and I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't get a chance then to talk to you about it, but I immediately added it to this week's uh, kind of beer suggestions uh, for wintertime, uh, stop in your brewery and drink a wintertime beer. I thought this was a a very nice addition down your place. Great. Thank you. Yes, I would absolutely echo that. Well, Ross, since we talked with you last, there's been a bunch of changes in Charleston, especially the West Virginia beer market. Does it have your head spinning? Imagine it would. With with two new breweries and the one new remote brewery tap room opening last year, the local beer market's taken a big jump forward. I don't know how much time you've had to explore these other tap rooms, but if you have, what's your take on the new guys? Oh man, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say it, it's got got my head spinning exactly. <laughs> um, it, this is something I've seen, you know, kind of developing for a while, and uh, really excited about it. You know. Uh, it's, uh, it's always great to finish up work and have a beer at your own place, but it also feels pretty good to be able to just go down the street and know (laughs) there's, there's some quality neighbors, uh, bringing more and more enthusiastic people into craft beer. What do you think it does specifically for our local Charleston beer market? I think having, uh, having one new brewery, Fife Street 
and a new tap room for short story brewing on the same block is huge for us Mm -hmm. uh, because it really does bring people in. I think it's, I think it makes Charleston a destination for a certain segment of people. Yeah, that's kind of what I've seen more than anything else. I mean, if you didn't know anything about the beer quality at any of your places, just seeing how many people are coming to that block now. Three brewery, well, one outlet, two breweries on the same block. That's amazing and so different. I mean, that's everybody's talking about the traffic that's brought to that block of Summer Street in Charleston. With that being said, a lot more people coming down. How do you how do you kind of lay that out in terms of what's going on at each of these places in your head? I mean, how do they differ? How are they alike? The three places we've talked about, you know, between Fife, uh, Bad Shepherd, and Short Story. Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, certainly we've all got our own feel going on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You know the the kind of the craft aspect is is predominant in uh, all three of those spots. Um, you know you can get a flight. Uh, you can certainly get samples. Um, I think it's a pretty positive attitude uh, among all the staffs. You know it's like it's a really cool vibe. Yeah, but I mean, do you see strengths of each being different? You know, because you don't all brew the same beers. I mean, oh, absolutely not. But absolutely not. Um, oh gosh, man, uh, putting you on the spot. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I, I really enjoyed a carriage trail pail at uh, Fife Street the other night with my friend Rob. That's what he was drinking when I walked in. So. Yeah, that's a nice beer that they put out. Uh, they made it at a very small batch, like a one-barrel batch back in the summer, I think. And now mm-hmm. they've got a full batch of it, and I thought that was a dynamite good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, of course, Short stories always uh, doing a good job with IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a, some super fresh IPA. I forget what it's called. Pretty good. Yeah, very they, good. They're rotating so many other yeah, popular ones through, and yeah, yeah, they've done a great job there. Well, well, definitely a lot of folks say it's beneficial, as as we've already said, to have several brewery options within walking distance. So I would think that Bad Shepherd would benefit from that too. Have the recent openings on your block impacted the beer sales themselves at Bad Shepherd for you? Um, you know what's crazy is our beer sales are very very similar year on year regardless Um, of competition well and i think those numbers are from end of year 2022 uh obviously short story hadn't been open there very long at that point right um but they they were very similar uh year on year so um really i guess the next year is when we would really see what what a difference it would be but I would think, I would like to hope that if it's steady like that, it'll only mean an increase mm-hmm. in the future. Right. Beer destination, lots of options for people, as you said, walk down the street. Yeah. The overflow for the for any of the breweries is the next brewery. Mm-hmm. So, Ross, let's broaden this look at the West Virginia beer market. I mean, out from Charleston to kind of like statewide. I mean, here we are in the first month of 2023. Ten years ago, you could pretty much count the number of breweries in the state on one hand. 
Today we're over 30. In your opinion, is there still room for growth here in West Virginia beer market? And where are the gaps that a new brewery could fill? Yeah, great questions. Uh, great question. Um, 30, that's a great number. Um, over 30, really. Over 30. 31, <laughs> wow. 32, 33. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to see a lot of, um, a lot of opportunity in smaller communities, um, for, you know, nano brewery type, real local places. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, as for, as for big growth, absolutely. I mean, uh, West Virginians are just getting more and more into craft beer. Yeah, are you seeing that now? I mean, <laughs> I, I, when I walk down Summer Street and see those three brewery places just packed uh, on a weekend, my thought is something's changing in this town. Mm -hmm. Used to not be like that. We didn't have that kind of uh, local beer uh, emphasis. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, I go in the Nano Brewery on the west side mm -hmm. and uh and see people seeking that out elk city yeah 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 there's definitely a lot going on um, but now it, it's definitely time to zoom in on bad shepherd brewing company and some of the things that are stand out there for instance your sour holler series has really been a big hit is it as popular today as when it was first introduced well probably uh <laughs> It's it's always kind of hard to say like what how an individual beer is doing when you're rotating everything all the time, mm -hmm. or sometimes we'll have two sour hollers on at the same time, and so it's then then you can really see like those two like side by side how sure. they're doing, what people prefer. Um, we keep selling it, so so there, there's definitely we, still we will, demand. <laughs> we will keep making it. Well, as, as far as continuing as adding to the actual series itself, do you plan on doing that? Or if not, do you have a new series maybe in mind? Uh, so far, I don't think we've done a Sour Holler twice. So, you know, we may go back and revisit some of our favorites. Uh, it's also kind of fun to just keep doing two new fruits. Mm-hmm. And for listeners that haven't uh, been to your place and had the Sour Holler series, uh, explain a little bit about generally what that is. Yeah, uh, Fruity Gosa, uh, slightly salty, fairly sour beer uh, with a ton of uh, fruit puree. And as you said, it's fun doing two, two new fruits, so... Is there like a particular selection process as far as which fruits you choose or just what happens to be in the brewery or in, in what products you've purchased? Yeah, it's it, it comes down to sitting down with the, the fruit company's price sheet and getting inspired. Um, you know, sometimes kind of Googling around or, or testing out a small amount, but uh, when you buy that fruit, you're committing, you know, you've got to, you've got to use that fruit after you buy a, 55 gallon drum of puree well i heard you had a like a wheel of fortune wheel back there and you just spin that thing <laughs> and it, whatever fruit comes up uh, then you spin it again and you have to blend those two is that pretty much pretty much how pretty that works? much <laughs> so what are some of the more uh fun ones you think combinations of fruits that you've put into sour holler uh i think the peach berry is probably the best mm -hmm. and what? peach with 
um, raspberry and blackberry. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah, and people love Sour Holler, but uh, I'm sure you do a lot more because you're one of those breweries in West Virginia that brews tons of new beers every year. Maybe not the most of any brewery, but you do more than just a few. You don't just stay with your core. Uh, And I think one thing that beer fans want to hear about is what's on tap. So maybe you could go through uh, what Bad Shepherd uh, customers are drinking the most of these days here in the winter of 2023. Oh, man. Well, they just... Went through a whole tank of electric petting zoo. <laughs> yeah. That is a popular one. So, so yeah, just that's uh, one. Uh, didn't you have a friend in from out of town? I think uh, who was drinking electric petting zoo here. A beer fan from up Pennsylvania. Oh yeah, yeah, Rob, my friend Rob. <laughs> Cheers to Rob Drury. Um, repping the Pennsylvania craft scene. Um, yeah, Rob and I enjoyed a petting zoo or two. Yeah, so the. Those styles, uh, that's still popular. Ha- hazy your- IPA, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, low low IBUs, um, Idaho 7 and Citra are the two in that. But, you know, trendy, citrusy, fruity hops is really, uh, really the thing. And, you know, West Virginians are just getting more and more into IPAs, not less and less. Oh, that's interesting because I guess uh, I think so. In some parts of the country, more more probably advanced craft beer markets, mm-hmm. they say they think that some of that has peaked. Not that it's going down; it's still the most popular. But the IPAs may, and well, stylistically, have uh, had their top run. I mean, everyone would love to make the call of like the end of IPA, right? They, they'd love to <laughs> the be end like of the hazy. They'd love to be like the the one to have have called it right. But yeah, they've yeah. been trying to call it for years. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they they just keep coming. So especially in I, our market, I don't know. Don't count don't count IPA out yet. All right. Well, we'll talk about what's new in your beer. What's up and coming? Uh, interested to see how a a big imperial stout that's in smooth ambler rye whiskey barrels turns out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's a that's a taste it and when it's ready we deal with it. Mm-hmm. So. Sometime in the next several months to several more months, uh, <laughs> we could see that. But uh, coming up um, in the next few weeks, we'll have a have a batch of Cloud Machine out. Oh, it's been a um, while since you've you had know, that. Lots of oats. It's got some rye malt in it. Uh, El Dorado hops. Yes. Yeah, galaxy spe- hops. Speaking of hazy IPAs. Speaking that's of hazy IPAs. That is a hazy IPA. That's I know, a- and I was tempted to not do it because the grain bill is dumb and extravagant (laughs) just crazy you know it's like you can tell you can tell i was like new to running this uh little brewery when i made that recipe it's it's very well received it's really complicated yeah so does that mean it's a little bit pricier probably than your standard the loud ipa which is your one you have a flagship i guess that's it yeah i would say the grain bill is going to be higher than the loud per pint, you know? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so you're pricing at the brew pub uh, in Charleston, West Virginia. Um, you have some beers still at around $5 a pint. But, oh, yeah. Yeah, but you then have some. I mean, it's it's pricing that varies with the cost probably of the beer that you're making. Like, oh, yeah. Go through that range of prices and how you determine – how you, you know, what the price should be. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I think we we really like to 
have $5 pints at the brewery, I mean, you, you should get a, that's kind of a reward for coming in, right? It's like, it is for me, uh, (laughs) you know, um, so we, we don't have any plans to raise prices on our like base beers, you know, um, and flagship IPA, you know, it's kind of got to be five bucks. Um, we're, we're not trying to go crazy with that. Well, Um, it's interesting because, you know, so many places, beer prices have gone up and pints have, sure have been $6 or $7. I mean, even in Charleston, West Virginia, there are bars that are doing that. So, uh, some of your beers, I mean, I think they're still bargains and I hope they, Hey, that's great. I hope you fight that price uh, for a while. We'll we'll do everything we can to to keep it reasonable. But you know when you when you get into fruit, yeah, there's nothing we can do about that. It's just expensive. it's expensive. Well, and let's circle back for just a second. I know I asked you about you know what's new and what's upcoming, and you you mentioned the cloud and cloud machine, and then we started talking about ingredients. Was there anything else that you wanted to mention that you didn't get to touch on yet? Oh yeah, uh, another exciting beer is going to be. Um, we're kind of aiming for like a session IPA, mm-hmm. uh, collaboration with Loopy Fest. It'll be our second year of doing a, a beer collaboration with Loopy Fest in oh, Huntington. Sounds exciting. Um, what uh, what month is that one? So, uh, it is in April. Okay, so we uh, got a while. spring. Yeah, no. yeah, got a little while, but we're we're planning out this brew with uh, I think some Equinot hops, some Galaxy hops, um, maybe another one. Uh, Landon Adams puts that festival together. And uh, so he's going to come over and help me brew. Very good. Yeah. Sounds like a fun collaboration. Well, I know that you learned recently that your assistant brewer has accepted a new opportunity elsewhere. So obviously that's going to mean some changes for the brewery. What are the plans for replacing him? You think you'll just... Uh, look for a replacement or is now the time to change up staffing and positions possibly? Oh man. You know, that's, that's going to be a kind of thing we're rolling with uh, as we make that transition the next couple weeks. Yeah. Mike's going back to the culinary world out on the West coast. Yeah. Um, so in the meantime, I've got a fellow who was an intern Mm -hmm. um, through the brewing program um, and he's been coming in to wash some kegs, um, you know, kind of get back up to speed with that, uh, have some other prospects, but we're taking applications, hmm. you know? Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, I've, uh, been enjoying this poplar, what's it called? Poplar? Poplar, uh, brown ale the pop- with honey malt. Yeah. I have two. It's very good. Yeah, very nice. And but I see that you've got another bottle sitting there open. So uh, introduce that second beer that you brought for us today. Yeah, second beer is out of the out of the cellar. Uh, Peach Folk Funk from 2021. Wow! So we're getting a cellared beer. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, two rough. Well, not quite two years old, but close enough. Looking forward to that. And as Ross opens the corked top on this, wow, there it's pouring with a nice head still. So, yeah, that's done well. And it's very clear. Um, 
nice golden color. Yeah, very nice. And and peach yeah, peach folk beer. funk we called this. Yeah, so this was in a red wine barrel. Ooh. Yeah. So go ahead and just talk about it. Um probably about 18 months. Somewhere between somewhere between um 13 and 16 months probably. Uh maybe 18, I don't think so. And the base um, the base beer was what? The uh, this, so this was a, um, basically a Saison. It's about six point, you know, it was probably a 6.8% Saison. And then as that beer got topped up in the barrel, because you lose some to evaporation, um, added peach puree and more beer, just lighter beer, um, as we go. And, you know, I'll use any light beer that I have, like Kolsch, sure. Blonde Ale, Pilsner, if if it's a golden barrel, it's getting golden beer to top it up. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so we're down to about six point three, and you know it should be right around there. It's got some great flavor. Yeah, very nice. Still very fresh in the sense of uh, that, but it's got the tartness in mm. there. A that little barrel have. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. But that's, it's so drinkable. Mm-hmm. This was a good barrel. That was a good barrel. <laughs> Definitely some of that red wine. So as we enjoy the uh, peach funky beer, <laughs> what was it again? Peach folk funk. Peach folk funk. I guess. Sorry, <laughs> I don't screw that up. The peach folk funk. Yeah, we're moving. Though, let's talk a little. Get your personal take, Ross, on uh, today's trends in beer and what uh, your customers are seeing changing in the beer market, or what you're seeing in your customers. Uh, is it moving along? I mean, are things, uh, like we, you already said, and we've talked a little bit about the IPAs are still, you know, very strong. But talk about any other trends you're seeing at your place. Well, so it's, you know, it's so difficult in a way to to get into it from my end because we sell, you know, 12 taps and they all sell through so well some sell um, through faster <laughs> some do yes 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 <laughs> hey listen um, i've been there and seen beers that i thought were wasn't that there last month <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> i mean one of those um, taps <laughs> so uh, certainly fruity sours not going anywhere mm-hmm. you know people attack yeah. them they just go for it and that would include that sour holler series yes that, that we talked about earlier yeah mm-hmm. um you know ipas absolutely still popular um maybe it's just us but i don't think so people are responding to kind of classic styles um including you like know, darker styles well yeah and i have like some younger staff members who are not huge beer fans really i mean you know they they are learning more all the time but mm-hmm. they're into this poplar oh mm-hmm. uh, well a, that's an easy one into to, a to into see. a brown ale you yeah know? it's like Never, never would have picked it. Mm-hmm. True, and I, I think a lot of times lack of exposure is why people don't drink a beer. They don't know it. And, mm-hmm. and brown ales and, and English browns and American browns, or any whatever you want to call it, any different style browns and honey browns, they've not been strong in recent years in the pubs. And, and you, so if you don't see them, I mean, people don't know that they like them. Uh, is that what kind of you see, though, when they do try it? their reaction is wow oh yeah 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 i think you're i think you're right they they just need that exposure 
Yeah, so what do you think then beyond what you've just mentioned, uh, any beer styles that have a pretty big upside today? I mean, have you seen like what we're seeing a lot of parts of the country about loggers uh, moving up, pilsners? Well, you know, it's, and and that's, that's where it is. Like, like, like we're in Charleston, West Virginia, you know. Um, <laughs> light beer's always been popular. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure has. Um, so, so our Kolsch, does sell really, really well, you know. Often, uh, and that's the Chucktown Colts. The Chucktown Colts. Yeah, that's one I've, uh, I've I've consumed a few pints. The of. other Charles mm-hmm. City, you know, <laughs> of our fair state. Um, yeah, it it sells well. Uh, you know, I'm looking around for my next hop order for more of that. Yeah, not fun. I've got to find even better hops you know sure yeah that, and i'd love for you to continue to explore that but another one that you have explored in the past has been a pilsner oh, style yes. that you've hit on a couple of those in the past year or two that have been just dynamite but you know it's not one i see as often on your tap list. no the bohemian pilsner yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know the generally i can turn that culture around and uh three weeks or less um right. which is which is still a long time a lot of brewers give Kolsch about 10 days but uh you know no i'm glad I, that you take I, the I don't time have to, i don't so, have to rush it so i don't no, you should. Um, just lucky in that regard uh but the pilsner you know i can't turn that pilsner around in any less than five weeks no i understand that yeah but you know when you make your Oktoberfest, you're one of the last strongholds of that thing is made and then and, and, and conditioned all summer, you know. Well, I'm I'm planning my grain order for that beer. Yeah. For the Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. What it's, about your? <laughs> I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. it's fine. It's it's just like on my to do list. <laughs> what about I? I've heard a lot from as I'm in in sampling beers. Um, people seem to really like the Queen of Mystery. The Queen of Mystery. Yeah, as so they talk should. a little bit about that because yeah. that's definitely not. I love the a, name. I love that name. It's not a you know regular flagship. It's probably not something people have been exposed to. So describe that a little. No, bit. I haven't made it in a couple of years. Uh, English special bitter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they're special bitters because they use good hops, not because they're terribly bitter. <laughs> um, and you know it's not that bitter. Uh, and I've just got, you know, fresh, nice. Um, English hops and English crystal malts and um, pretty traditional classic beer. Um, and I think the first time I brewed it was 2017. Oh wow! So nice to have it. it nice that. to have it back. Mm-hmm. It is nice. And again, I I've heard from bar patrons they they very much like it. Yeah, it's funny though to have like three kind of three similar. Uh, Lovabon score beers, right? Like I've got the Queen of Mystery, the Shot Caller, and now this Honey Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's like a treat for the people who like that. Yeah, I mean, and sometimes uh, you go into another bar and they've got ten IPAs on tap, and, uh, <laughs> and no bl- no darker beers. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll just keep being weird in that regard, you know. You just drink the loud. Oh, you want IPA. Well, let's take a big picture look statewide. How do you view the current market 
state of our craft beer as far as the market in West Virginia? Is it healthy? Do you like where it's headed? Um, gosh, you know, we're we're just pretty close in our sales, I think. So, you know, it's it's healthy, I guess. It's um not seeing a ton of growth, but um we would have to we'd have to do some things differently to to get into more growth, you know. Um I was excited to see uh two new out of state beers entered the market recently, mm-hmm. Jackie O's and mm-hmm. Equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Uh it's been nice to get a draft of those. Uh you know, and hopefully new beers like that coming in just get more people interested in craft. I was going to kind of follow up with, hey, what stands out to you? But you answered that sort of ahead of me. Is there anything else other than just new distribution to our area that might stand out as far as our craft beer market here? You know, that's that's kind of like all I've seen recently is like, um, you know, those new offerings. Uh, haven't gotten to travel a lot on beer business recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did have a really nice um, weather ground beer, yard sale. That oh, was a yes. great beer. Um, so, so it's great to see, like, you know, right down the menu from Equilibrium was this weather ground that was like every bit as good. Nice. You know, maybe fresher. Uh, yeah. Well, Ross, there always seems to be things we could do to improve the business climate for small local brewers in our state. With the legislature now in town, uh, what might be something that they could do to either remove roadblocks or help solve problems facing West Virginia's brewing industry? Uh, Good question. Um, Not sure I have a great answer well, I know you're not a lobbyist, that. but, you know. Just <laughs> no, and, no, and I, you know, I, I just spend all my time dealing with, like, the system as it is. So, mm-hmm. right, not right. really sure what um, what would improve. So, it uh, sounds like maybe you, you guys can do good business with even the current laws. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's ways that it could be more efficient. Well, I think uh, a lot of us see things that from our perspective on the craft brew side we see things that the state administration does and it's like you guys are just making this harder on yourselves Mm -hmm. you know the the uh some of the forms and stuff that you have to send in Mm -hmm. um like uh in a writable pdf but you can't copy and paste in said PDF, and it's like, you know, this is really difficult. You Inefficient. Know, they're, they're like, yeah. you could use it. You could use a real program like Excel um, or Word, <laughs> and it would be easier than <laughs> trying to type into this PDF. But then they have to go through all that on their end and print all that. All, they print all this stuff. Mm-hmm. They're printing paper copies of all kinds of things. It just doesn't seem efficient. Well, along the way, as Bad Shepherd Beer Company has developed into the brewery that we all love today, there must have been some interesting anecdotes or stories or customer antics that gave you a good chuckle, laugh. Does anything in particular maybe come to mind that you might want to share with us? Oh, man. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, slowly but surely we've gained our regulars and uh, 
And then if you get to be too much of a regular, we like put you to work for us. <laughs> um, like uh, we needed a, a form notarized one time. And one of our regulars uh, went back to his office <laughs> after he'd gotten off of work. And uh, we were able to take care of this. Um, another of our regulars has gotten roped into being our plumber, electrician, <laughs> fix-it guy. And I, I think Charles was actually in there the other night when Jack was uh, removing some toilet fixtures <laughs> and putting in new toilets in the ladies' room. And uh, No, I wasn't in the ladies' room, no. Well, they, that's where the toilets were going. Oh, okay. Um, group effort, group effort. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, poor Jack did not know what he was getting himself into. <laughs> And so now he's been roped into that. Well, I'm sure it's always fun that uh, you know, your customers develop good relationships with you, sometimes in the toilets and sometimes uh, at the bar. You sometimes, know. At, you know, legal needs. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> um, yeah. A couple winters ago, it was really, really cold uh, for like probably like six weeks. Uh, for several of those weeks, we had a bird one of our grain-fed, spent brewery grain-fed birds sneak in the building. And this little guy, they named him Timmy T-Rex. Uh, we tried to catch him with box traps and stuff because uh, we didn't want to exterminate this little bird, you know. But okay, he survived like the coldest part of the winter. And on the first warm day, we got him to go out the patio door. And... Uh, might save that Lucky little birdie's little. Right. Yeah. life. Oh, yeah. Survival of the fittest right there. <laughs> well, it's been great having you, Ross. Uh, i tell you what. It's always fun. You bring good information to West Virginia Beer Roads. And we absolutely appreciate it. Thank you, Ross, so much for taking the time to talk with us this evening. And we look forward to what you are brewing and doing at Bad Shepherd Beer Company in Charleston, West Virginia. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Cheers. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.